Welcome to Live the Fuel, where we fuel your health, business, and lifestyle. And now your host, Scott Mulvaney. All right. Good day and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another Live the Fuel show. So today, we're out recording over the weekend because the hustle never stops. And uh, I've lost track of, I think it's always at least seven days a week. At some point or another, we always are recording on podcasts. Now, normally, we keep it to certain days, but sometimes people have to schedule differently. But for the newer listeners, a reminder, we're here to fuel your health, your business, and your lifestyle. Over three years running, over 300 shows on the air in the digital space, in the YouTube space, pretty much everywhere. And uh, I've got, yes, a new guest co-host, ladies and gentlemen. And this gentleman comes from a old sector of my lifestyle. I made I made a little bit of a journey into the financial space and realized it's meant for people like him. <laughs> it did not like me. So, but let me give you a quick skinny on the guy. He's got many retirement and financial industry accolades and certifications, certified financial planner, finalist for ASPPA uh, slash NAPA 401k leadership award, was recognized as a finalist for plan sponsor magazines, retirement plan advisor of the year, shares his industry uh, expertise as a speaker at several industry conferences. That's that's something I've been building my space into. It's all about public speaking nowadays. Uh, As well as uh, having been featured and quoted in the Wall Street Journal, TechCrunch, Bloomberg, Business Week, Inc. Magazine, and Financial Times. So, ladies and gentlemen, clearly this gentleman is quite passionate about fintech, Innovation, that's right, financial technology in wealth and management has brought multiple people, multiple innovative products and methodologies to the market. So without further ado, from Austin, Texas, Henry Yoshida, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Glad to be on. Glad to co-host today. Yeah. I mean, let's just, I can dump a little, the rest of your little bio in here, but clearly you're not just a, uh, a hustler in the financial space. You're also a entrepreneur, you're a CEO, co-founder of Rocket Dollar. It's a web-based platform, right? Yes. Web platform. Yeah. Uh, for specialized. So it's, it's an offshoot of financial services. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of things changing in the world. So I think that, uh, people like me, I just saw a new calling to try to bring a new differentiated product. Uh, so basically a new spin on a very sort of old school, longstanding product. Interesting. IRAs. Well, I tell you all the time, a lot of what we have nowadays, cause I, I geek out on, actually, <clears throat> let's just throw a question your way. Do you like, do you like crowdfunding? I do. Um, yeah, I like crowdfunding. It, it crowdfunding to me is a little bit less about uh, it, you know trying to identify and try to find that next great investment, but a lot of a way to sort of really show your affinity towards maybe someone's idea, someone's passion, someone's project. And yeah, the average person that does um, uh, maybe invest in the deal on a crowdfunding site, it it's a pretty small amount of money. So it's actually usually just sort of a, a Hey, you know, that's, it's an, it's an attaboy, you know, go get it. You know, I like this product because Kickstarter itself, I mean, you're not even really investing in the company. You're just kind of trying to support them. Yeah. Uh, and then crowdfunding took it to another level where you could participate in the equity growth of the company. Um, and I like it a lot for its affinity purposes, probably more than its investment purposes. I, I love it just for proof of concept. I, I've had a heck of a educational adventure, some timeline in my life. I, you know, didn't expect to go to college. Then I decided to make myself go to college because my friends were all going to go school for engineering. And then I went to, you know, started undergrad at a community college, then went to Penn State as a engineer, then got into the telecom space, was working my way, paying my way through school, paying my way mm-hmm. for through life, took some time off, went back, 
got into the financial space with uh, the ADP Corporation, which when I was there, God, yeah. that was back in 2008, uh, they, they were one of the last yeah. companies that was still a AAA certified company. I don't know if that's still changed or not, but we were we were hurting back then in 08, 09. <laughs> we were, uh, yeah. And uh, actually, ironically enough, as geeky as it is, I remember the other one. So you were one of two. Um, I think Johnson & Johnson was the other one. Was J&J still? At that particular point in time, yes. So Okay, um, there you go. And because yeah. the biggest the biggest reason why I'm brick geeking out, I mean, people who are health and fitness nuts here in this show, it's like, guys, like, I mean, I don't care who you are. You could be a, a gym owner, a, a fitness coach. You could be a fellow adrenaline sports guy like me. Uh, you could be an online entrepreneur. You could be a regular brick and mortar business. Uh, you know, you need money <laughs> and you got to know how to make your money work for you. So that's why we geek out about this stuff. But the reason why I brought those companies up in that year was, I mean, our country lost it's AAA rating. I mean, I think that was, I think it was 2008 when that dropped away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was so, big. Um, I, I was working at a major, major company that uh, actually didn't survive that year either. So I got acquired by a bigger company, Bank of America. Uh, at the time I was with Merrill Lynch and oh, yeah. um, uh, it got acquired by, uh, you know, Merrill Lynch got acquired by Bank of America over a weekend. So uh, very fateful weekend. Those transitions were so fast. I was like blown away. I'm just sitting there. Back then I had a cubicle life and I was like, what's going on? I mean, <laughs> and a Merrill Lynch company name. I mean, my God, that, that was to me back then was bulletproof. Yeah. No, it, yeah, it definitely true. And, and, you know, it makes me even think that, um, you know, big companies, I mean, ADP actually has a pretty, uh, interesting spot in my development and sort of my, my trajectory of working with, um, uh, IRAs and retirement plans, actually, because they had a very long-standing relationship and still do with Merrill. So that's actually how I got into selling retirement plans in the first place. The first ones I did were with uh, ADP and their oh. arch nemesis competitor paychecks. So that's so, so. There's your funny c- connection for you and me. Besides yeah. the fact, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, we we stream video too, which will be on YouTube. But uh, he's wearing a Cornell jacket, and my wife uh, went to Cornell for her undergrad. She's a veterinary doctor, and, and then she went to UPenn for her doctorate. So, but it's uh, just funny connection. I went to ADP and studied and got my, they paid me to get my series six and 63 licenses. And I was specifically targeted uh, in the sales, inside sales division, working with small businesses, the one to 49 segment of entrepreneurs and small businesses. So uh, I was working with retirement. (laughs) Yeah, I I know that space. Very, very well. You get the six and 63, you're able to basically do attack on product, which is the 401k, which had selling agreements with some of the major financial services firms uh, at the time. And then the next tier up was like 50 to you know 100, uh, maybe 249. I think it might've been 50 to 100. And then it went from 101 to 249 yep. um, and so forth. So I, I worked with the company quite, quite a bit back in the day. And it's what, um, it's actually what taught me a lot about sort of uh, uh, finding customers on my own early in my career, but also like, you know, the value of having partners. So I had friends that worked at, at ADP and they were actually great referral sources. You know, we basically both targeted the same customer demographics, small, medium sized businesses, but we didn't compete in terms of the product and service that we offered. Hmm. Um, so it was just better to work together. It was like a very mutual alignment. And it was something that I look back and I remember sort of out of college when you don't know anything. Um, so, we, th- we think we do. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was the problem. So it's even harder to learn new things when you think you know everything. Um, and then now you're, you're actually older, you know things, and then you realize there's a lot more that I need to learn that I could always be learning. 
Yeah, let's pause on that point. There's because part of our target audience is mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm Gen X. Are you in our? Are you in my wavelength? Yep. Okay. Yeah. I think so we're I think, the first half of Gen X. They divide the gen the generations now into halves. So. I see. I'm, I'm out of that now. <laughs> I don't even realize that. Well, I just turned 42. So, um, and I think we absorbed the Y Gen over the years. I don't know. Maybe that's part of that path split factor. But yeah. part part of my realization. And why I started a, a, a podcast was to give back, right? So one thing I've learned from some great coaches and mentors over the year, and you and I are geeking out about how we didn't know anything coming out of school and we're so much further down the line, but we're still learning. And I think the most important thing is, okay, the lessons we've learned, the education we've picked up along the way that we continue to pick up along the way needs to be passed on. Because a great mentor of mine, he's like, you know, this guy's like, you can say knowledge is power. But he's like, I, I don't believe in that. He's like, anybody can acquire the knowledge. How do you yeah. execute on it? How do you take the risks with the risks of failure? Uh, how do you pass on? He's, he actually said the true definition of wisdom is passing that knowledge on. So I believe in giving back to the next generations with this podcast. Is like, okay, I, sure. I want us to help get through to the millennials and disease and whatever comes next. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't even know what after that um but i have a really good friend he started as sort of a uh, a millennial researcher and now he's rebranded himself as a generation z wow uh, yeah so he's you know he gets hired to kind of do a lot of research around the behaviors uh, consumer spending mm-hmm. uh, uh behaviors for those generations because it's, it's it's highly highly important i mean i, I just uh, i was reading in the wall street journal this week that uh, about one trillion dollars of decision making is being done by folks between Eight to 15 years old uh, and Snapchat is around 90% of that audience right now so they're really concentrating um, on ads and the Wall Street Journal article went into you know tried trying to communicate that these companies need to synthesize the ads to both maybe spend 75% of the time speaking to that younger generation because they do have some influence over maybe us as parents in the, in the buying behavior for our children but the 20, 25, 30% still needs to appeal to us. And the example they used was Tony the Tiger. So based on your age and mine, so both early 40s, uh, uh, um, you know, we remember that Tony the Tiger was this cool, cool character. But at the end, he always says it's great for you too. Yeah. So that appealed to the parents. That last 20% of the line uh, uh, and it's, that it's great for you appealed to the parents. The rest of it was Tony the Tiger being cool. Yeah. I, I mean, we did grow up old. with that. And uh, unfortunately, nowadays, because I am such a health nut, that was a complete lie. Those marketing commercials were very well done, but they, they were not good for you. I don't care what you spray vitamin-wise on a, on a piece of cereal. It's manufactured garbage, but that's a whole different exactly. podcast. <laughs> good point. Yeah, it's a very good point. But it was talking about, uh, um, you know, about the way that you might communicate. And it's, it's, you know, some of the things that I try to think about too, right? Because I have to... Um, uh, I've spent a long time in financial services, but having to figure out a way to communicate those concepts to where it doesn't seem like, you know, you're just beating people down with knowledge. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I remember seeing that a lot of the inter- industry was trying to guilt people into doing things, you know, like buying this product, saving this money. Um, and I really thought that, you know, you're going to do a lot better with sugar than you are with a stick sure. in terms of, you know, changing people's behavior. And that's what I always took. And that's what drew me in a way to the retirement space because, that particular money had a, had a goal, which was to basically sustain a lifestyle, whatever that, whatever was important for you in your lifestyle versus other types of money, which maybe the goal is just to turn it into more money. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like the sort of goals associated part of the retirement side of people's financial equation versus just the pure money. Uh, 
Yeah, I, 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 let's, let's, it's funny you bring up that key word, fear. I've had a, a number of new guest co-hosts recently from the financial side. It's been interesting. I don't know if it's that time of year, but like from September right. to October, I've had a number of guys like you, CFPs or otherwise. Um, mm-hmm. And we, we discussed a few on a few different episodes about how there are some financial professionals who, whether they realize it or not, they were trained to lead with fear. And they're not actually acting as your best advocate. Uh, mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts around people hearing this? And a lot of people feel they don't have the time or the energy or the lifestyle freedom to free up the time to learn how to do all this. And I argue that. Yeah. I say, listen, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. It comes down to prioritization. But right. the biggest goal there is to remove fear and just start getting over that hump. So what are your thoughts? Um, well, so I've always <clears throat> communicated a concept where I think that every individual, their family unit, um, they kind of function as a mini small business. So regardless of how you might generate income or what your job is, uh, in a way, your own personal life is a separate business in and of itself. I mean, you, you may choose to outsource certain components of it, whether that's uh, um, you know, everything from the management of your of your household and your daily life, even the cooking, for example, maybe sometimes, you know, uh, people watch your children. Some people outsource a complete part of the financial part of their lives too. But then other people decide that, hey, I got to handle this. So I'm the COO, CFO, and CEO of my own like sort of individual ink. Hmm. And, um, um, you know, a lot of the financial services industry, I think, is trying to convince people to maybe outsource that part of it. But even if you outsource knowledge, you're going to get advantage of. And uh, um, I, I set up plans. I used to work with really, really large companies. So I started with small companies at ADP, same in the one to 49 space. And as I graduated up, I went to really, really big companies with thousands and thousands of employees. And what I realized was that, you know, as they got bigger, they had these, I always remember this one position called general counsel. And the whole point of a general counsel is I always wonder why does a company have a general counsel? And I said, well, it's because otherwise we'd get taken advantage of by the nine corporate law firms we use. So our general counsel mm. actually is a, is a, is a cost-saving department because otherwise we get sold a whole load of stuff from attorneys that we may not need. So they themselves actually do no legal work, but they're there as a guard against not getting oversold. Um, and they may save the company, let's say $10 million a year, and then that person gets their income salary and so forth. So they're basically like a protection buffer. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that in a way, when you look at it for financial services, products, and an individual, then you can go out and seek a certain base of knowledge to make sure that whatever portion of it you choose to outsource, whether that's through a product or a service provider, so let's say uh, an insurance product or an actual financial advisor, if you have a certain base, then you know exactly what you need and you'll avoid that wasteful part of it. Hmm. Uh, because again, sometimes it might not be a good uh, uh, return. On your time everyone has the same 24 hours in a day um i was even watching the the bill gates you know inside of bill gates's brain oh yes and as amazing as bill gates is i mean the one limiting factor he has is that he has the same amount of hours minutes and seconds uh in a day as all of us um so he has to choose where to where and how to spend uh, that time Yeah. And that's where I think a lot of people, and I've seen this in the health space, the fitness space, the, again, back to the business space. I have friends of mine. They're like, how do you find time to do all the crazy things that you do? And like you and I were talking before we hit record today and you got a lot going on this weekend. You got some live music. You got some of your favorite college, uh, uh, you know, uh, football games going on right now. You know, I was 
maintaining a mountain biking trail this morning for some kids races coming up. Cause I'm a huge mountain biking advocate. I have the yeah. podcast. I have my business, you know, I'm going to Philadelphia this evening to catch up with old friends flying in from Seattle. Like there's always a lot of stuff going on, but yeah. back to your point, we have the same 24 hours. Bill Gates is the same 24 hours, all these financial gurus out there. So I always tell people like, it's important to partner up with people who know more than what we know. Yeah. Uh, right. Outsourcing to people like you working with you, for example, but it's, we still have to take on the personal accountability, uh, to have enough base level knowledge. So, you know, you're not being taken advantage of, you know, you are picking out the right person that you're comfortable with. So is that stuff that you guys try right. and help train people on too? Um, so, you know, with us, we're uh, the current company rocket dollar is very specifically a product. So yeah, let me do some screen sharing um, while you're talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. So for us, you know, what we do now is that I'm not working with anyone individually, mm -hmm. but we do offer a product where maybe people have decided that, Hey, there's a portion of my sort of investable asset base that I want to go into uh, different investments. So we actually have a number of, of customers that actually go into crowdfunding investments or real estate. Oh, wow. Uh, and the reason why they might do that is they might, they might've self uh, found out that, Hey, there's, I need to diversify maybe outside of just the public stock market type investments uh, of which ADP, Merrill Lynch and Bank of America are publicly traded companies uh, you know, basically the top 500 largest publicly traded companies in the U S is the vast majority of stock market investments mm -hmm. here. And, uh, you know, people have gotten knowledge and said, Hey, I want to take a little bit of my money and start to buy something like real estate and income producing property. And, you know, it's a long time horizon hold. I want to be able to access some of my IRA dollars to do so. It's a tangible asset. I, you know, uh, could outsource to, to a real estate professional that specializes in those in that asset class. And then we provide a platform for people to tap into those dollars that they already have right. to make that investment. Um, so we're not giving any guidance per se, but we, I think we're there as, um, uh, as a tool for people that have maybe gone beyond just the regular stock bond investments. And maybe they, they have interest or they have a desire, the knowledge um, foundation to say, hey, I could probably stand to have something that's not related to the stock market. Because in 2008, um, you know, in hindsight, right, you know, going back in that period, there were a lot of people uh, that would have done very well buying property. Right? Sure. It, it, it's kind of interesting. So we're in 2000, we're at the end of 2019. But even though there was a precipitous drop in a lot of asset classes from real estate to stocks, real estate itself achieved almost all time highs in most major metropolitan areas in the United States before 2014. Again, I mean, this is all time highs and actually ironically enough, we're at all time highs again hmm. uh, for the stock market too. So it would have been beneficial for people to uh, have had some knowledge and maybe think that, Hey, I got to double down and come into these markets right now. Like I need to view that some of these things are opportunities. There's value here. And, and you know, they would have had to, self-learn some of this and um that's actually one of the trends that we're capitalizing on which is that maybe in 2019 um the the next greatest opportunities for investment over the next one three five ten fifteen years may not be inside of a mutual fund um you know only invested in publicly traded stocks right that may be for the for certain people but maybe not for everybody uh, it just depends and and you know, we want to give people the freedom to have that choice yeah. if they have the knowledge and wherewithal to do so. So that's what our platform is. 
And I like that. People need to have proper freedom. So, um, yeah. and, and not so much where they're, they're going to damage themselves, but enough to where, you know, they can feel good about, uh, about what they're invested in. Right. You know, I agree. And, and yeah, you could tell me where would be a great, uh, place to buy some dirt or a rental property close to your geographic area. I could probably tell you the same thing about mine. Yeah. Uh, neither one of us are real estate experts per se, but we know a little bit about our own particular geography in our area. And we were talking about that a little bit before we came on. on, on yeah. Oh yeah. I, I always tell people you should understand where you live and, uh, and the market around you. And, and especially if there's benefits, uh, which you were hinting yeah. at, um, so let's pause on that actually one second. Sure. And so anyway, as we were just talking about, um, I, I, I never realized what my local community was about, right? And before we started recording the show today, you were talking about your local community and how there's like tax benefits. And I mean, I just want to tag that back in because I think it's, you know, people talk or to think it's just about retirement. And well, yes, retirement's important and having a nest egg is important. Obviously, that's why you do what you do. But there's also that real-time component, understanding your local market, understanding your local community. Like you were telling me, even though you're surrounded by the city of Austin, right? you guys are almost like this little niche community and, and you get tax benefits from that because obviously Lowe's, Home Depot, the bigger corporations around you, they'll have to help. They basically help pay for some of the taxes. Um, yeah. Now, is that, have you researched that deeper? Is that something common across the country or just happens to be at your area, Austin? Well, you know, I lived in another area of Austin and that's how I discovered it in the first place. Uh, I, uh, I used to live in another small annex town called Sunset Valley and it did the same thing. It was only a thousand residents, but the way they drew the line, it, it grabbed 500 of us uh, across just two little mini subdivisions, uh, but it happened to include Home Depot, uh, um, uh, Academy Sports and Outdoors, which is like a, a kind of a, a lower cost version of a Dick Sporting Goods, oh, yeah. very you know, well-known company down here in the South. And the, just the revenue coming from those alone could be used to offset. So it's just a situational thing. Um, and then since it's so small, they still rent some EMS services and uh, the school districts hmm. yeah, because there's nothing inside. Uh, it was just something that, you know, that I thought about and it didn't, it didn't seem like a lot, but here we're a no income tax state. And then you'll see a lot of, uh, of people that are kind of taking this into consideration, but we're no income tax state, but a very high property tax state. So oh. there's another thing that people do here where I have friends that I know that actually own rental properties and generate income off of them in other states, um, but they rent here, the house that they live in, because if they owned a really nice house here, uh, property taxes might average, you know, two to three percent. So you have people you know that literally have a real estate portfolio. Yeah. They're making money on prop rental properties in other states that they own. They own and rent yeah, out. They own. But because the property taxes are so high in their home state, Texas, yeah, they don't own the house. They rent that. They rent the one that they're in here <laughs> as a primary resident. Interesting <laughs> tactic. Yeah. Um, and I brought it up to a financial journalist friend of mine for U.S. News and World Report. And she said, that's a really neat angle that I'm going to present to the editor, because, I mean, these are people that are um, it, it, they're, they're thinking a few moves ahead is kind of what she told me. She said, you know, these are people that are really thinking through like the little ways to get to get get an edge. And the greatest thing about sort of Internet technology and the availability of digital resources, whether it's your podcast uh, and show or just or your podcast is, yeah, or, or ours because ours is concentrated on being able to invest in private deals uh, yeah. using IRA dollars. 
And people are finding these things, they're learning little niches, and then they probably take their learning and expand a little bit on their own, so they get some comfort. Um, comfort's usually sort of achieved when you might find other sources that are talking about the same thing. Mm -hmm. and, and you get people that understand these little strategies like that. And I don't know if what my own little town, because this, this is the second one that we've lived in, but I've liked it because it knocks about 20 to uh, 50 basis points off of my yearly property tax. Wow. That's a, that's a significant shift. So are all your other communities so, around you the same? 20 to 22% of my property. Uh, no. So only the ones that are contained within the city. So actually, if you're, you know, not inside that jurisdiction, you might be subject to just the regular county that encompasses Austin and you okay. pay that extra, uh, for example. So it, it's completely dependent, uh, uh, that I tacked on to. And to be fair, I think that maybe more so than the money, I kind of like that um, I'm a part of this sort of technically a 5,000 person town, even though it is Austin. I mean, if I drive or walk more than three quarters of a mile in any direction, I'm back in the right. city of Austin. Well, so interesting. Austin is your, is your mailing hand. address Austin? Either one will work. It could be the city of what's called B Cave, or it could be Austin. It'll get huh. uh, You could use either or. Interesting. Well, so I mean, learn it, something a little bit about the South. <laughs> I, I mean, I tell people all the time that it's important to understand the history, right? I mean, this country is so diverse and so unique to, compared to other parts mm -hmm. of the world. And like, I live in Pennsylvania, so I'm in the city of Allentown. Uh, even though I'm technically Allentown, I'm in a township, kind of similar to you, called Whitehall. And okay. now their taxes, though, are higher, depending if you're in North Whitehall or South uh -huh. Whitehall. And so same thing, like, but I'm in a little tiny village area here that was built in early 1900s. So my house was one of the first ones ever built oh, in wow. 1910. So, but this little village, if you want to call it, or town is called Greenewalds. And yeah. if I put that on my mail, it would work. But, but, you know, based on the U.S. Postal Service, you know, my address is Allentown, even though I'm in Whitehall Township too. It's, it's. Oh, okay. But it's it comes to, but people understand like this country was built on layers of government. Uh so you can exist locally and not necessarily depend on the larger entities, right? It's like I don't right. need the state, I don't need the federal. We're cool. We got it all dialed in here. I mean, if there's something bigger going on, then obviously that's when the state level or the federal level comes into play. Yeah. Uh I mean, I don't know. I, my, many many of our listeners may not may not remember that from their history classes when we were kids. I do. Well, and, and you know, I think the just advent of technology is going to really change the way and the norms of how people live and communicate. Um, you know, I think that, for example, you know, smartphones and wireless internet technology have kind of given us the ability to to be where we're at today where we can have this conversation i mean this is a conversation that would have physically had to have taken place if we were in the same city together yeah um uh, and not that long ago i mean we're probably talking you know solid even 15 years ago because we wouldn't be able to do it in this sort of uh high fidelity quality video presentation format i mean we could have had an audio version of it yeah. uh but it wouldn't have been very high quality it wouldn't have been as engaging for the audience and then I think yet again, in another 10 years, you're going to see a shift away probably in the way people communicate, live, work, and invest their money. Probably um, if cars can start driving themselves or automobiles can drive themselves. Well, think about it. I you think could, that's going to give people even more freedom. You're in an autonomous, let's say, we'll just go with Tesla, right? Well, you're in an autonomous Tesla one day and yeah. you have all of this time freedom that has been opened up, right? Thanks mm -hmm. to technology. If you don't have to physically drive your vehicle, this is just 
because they say it's coming. <laughs> so <laughs> we kind of full circle, right? Back to that 24 hours. If we can use technology to create the said freedoms that we need in our life, you now you have more time to decide, okay, what am I going to learn? What am I going to master? What am I going to execute on? Back right. to back to financial knowledge, right? Uh, I mean, heck, your site, uh, rocketdollar.com, you guys have a whole learning base. Uh, I think you call it the knowledge base. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. knowledge base. Knowledge it's, base. A, it's, a tech, it's a tech term for like FAQ. So. Right. So. But something as simple as a website, right? I tell people the time, whether it's finance, I mean, heck, even personal trainers, uh, crowdfunders, uh, startup tech companies, whatever. I think it's. I think we're all responsible at some point to share education or knowledge, and also I think it actually adds a level up when it comes to your authority in your space. So I love right. the fact that you guys have a knowledge base on your site because there's people like me who are self learners. I want to go in, right. poke around, take advantage of this technology you're talking about mm-hmm. in my free time. Maybe one day I'll be able to sit in the Tesla, let it drive, and I'm sitting there just studying up, getting ready to go meet with my IRA consultant or my financial planner, whatever, and just getting all that knowledge ramped up for our meeting. All these things right. can happen with time freedom. Yeah, no, it, it, it's definitely going to change. And uh, it, it, it's interesting for me to kind of think about that. And I think that um, uh, a lot of the norms that people used to have, I mean, remember now, you know, it may not be the, uh, the most important thing to get a driver's license anymore. Uh, it's definitely not anymore for people that are turning 15, 16 years old today, like it might have been for us when we were growing up. And you know, I think that it's going to change the way people people invest. And, and uh, it's, it's also causing increased interest in some of the things that really just can't be done remotely. So that would mm-hmm. include exercise, for example, or uh, personal connection. I'm waiting, uh, you know, I just saw that there's a technology, it's a tech platform, so it's getting funded as such, but it's basically just a, a, a chain of bars but they serve non-alcoholic drinks only and they're capitalizing on that people don't really see each other as much as they used to um true it's it's a hot hot space and i'm kind of wondering when there's going to be more technologies that actually force us to go non-digital and force you to sort of communicate touch feel and see people that's like playing sports doing exercises and stuff like that those can't really be done remotely oh i, I completely a certain agree. degree in the esports space but you're not going to get the physical benefit of it then I, i'm so. a huge advocate for that i'm like listen we can have all this new technology we want uh but i mean if you if i go far enough back to my childhood i grew up on a farm i mean i was getting dirty all the time i was out there i never got sick because i was getting dirty all the time i wasn't yeah. sitting in this like uh, a bubble life trapped in your house with the perfect air conditioning or if it's winter time the perfect heat elements no fresh air no trees you know I'm mm-hmm. not, i mean that's why i'm such an outdoorsy nut because i spend so much time i literally have three monitors in front of me here as i'm working talking to you today so <laughs> I've, I'm a techie, okay? I studied microelectronics yeah. technology in high school at a technology college before I went to, went to school for engineering. So it's like, I geeked out on all this stuff. I've always been a tech guy. Yeah. But you balance it. You got to balance. So That's right. And, and you know, it's the way I approach um, entrepreneurship. I mean, I, I have a team. I run a company. Uh, but for me, I try to balance it. So my meetings later today are related to sort of like a personal uh, side business that that I work on. So it's just a consulting meeting. We're going to meet, you know, at, at their house and it just happens to be Saturday afternoon. But, you know, I slotted in, uh, after this, um, 
after you know being able to watch my undergraduate alma mater uh, play football in their big rivalry game and then before you know basically going with the kids and my wife to that outdoor concert tonight yeah which sounds great by the way is that local band or some a big act kind of man yeah i don't even know it's not a big it's not a big act so it's someone local the, the big band there's a big music festival going on so the big big people are oh, somewhere okay. else and that's like you know, hundred thousand people outside. That that's not you know kind of the, the vibe I'm going for today. No, but you're getting outside, so right, and you're spending yeah, quali- yeah. quality yeah, and family it's time outdoors. So, and, yeah, and these are things that you know can't be uh, teched away. And you know, some of these societal, I guess, uh, when I learned about it in business school, they actually call them Chesterton fences. Uh, and the way they teach you this concept, they go from way way back in the day that someone had built this fence just randomly in the middle of a field. So you could just walk down, you know, hundred feet and go around the fence or walk down hundred feet the other direction and go around. Um, and no one really knew why the fence was there. You know, it didn't really serve a purpose. And there's a lot of societal norms. Like people used to want to own a house. People used to want to buy a car and have one per person. Those things are changing and I'm capitalizing on the other one that maybe 10 years from now, people won't just own, um, uh, stocks and mutual funds inside of their IRA because technically they've had the capability of owning other things and maybe other things to them might present better longer term investment opportunities and hmm. um, again I'm not finding deals I, I only know my one little space of the world so you know I, I don't know anything about mountain biking <laughs> um, except to know that I probably wouldn't have been able to keep up with you earlier today you would have <laughs> just had to pick me up on your way back there you go um, but but I do know this sort of this part of the financial services world and and i'm trying to capitalize on some of these trends where uh there's crowdfunding entity type deal to go into and there's going to be a small part of the population that's going to want to divert dollars towards that and and i'm in a position to be able to provide that platform but i'm not in a position to be creative enough to come up with actually those investments themselves uh you know i don't know how to go identify like the right property to buy well and that's what i love what you're hinting at here this is actually one of these this is actually a great entrepreneurial lesson uh, if people are hearing this is that, and I've had to learn this, right. Is that you can't master everything you have to, I mean, sometimes through trial and error realize, okay, I really like doing this. I like doing that. I don't like doing this. What do I want to outsource, right? Keep the strengths, outsource the weaknesses, or in your case, find the right partners, right? So, okay. I don't need to figure out all the investments. I'll just partner with that company who does all that. Right. And they'll find their own audience um, themselves. That's kind of the main thing. Yeah. Um, And and I look at it that way. I mean, you know, I think that the greatest companies actually solve very small, specific problems. I mean, you know, if you think about the biggest companies, you can usually identify what they're really, really good at um, in one line. So, Hmm. you know, you figure Google is a trillion dollar company, but what is it really? I mean, they have hundreds of different business lines. But the reason why it's important for you and I is solves the problem of we can find information instantly. You know, yes. outside of that, whatever business model they have around that, which is, you know, uh, showing us advertisements and marketing is just an ancillary benefit. Mm-hmm. But they're an aspirin pill to our immediate pain point, which is needing this information right now. It's a great point. You can strip away all that stuff. Your, strip away all that stuff. It's a search engine, man. About one stats. Yeah. It that's all it is. And, you know, it's, it's one successful business that has probably subsidized their other 399, uh, for the most part. Well, and, that's like, uh, uh ADP you know, you can define it that way. I mean, ADP was founded as a payroll services company, but then they added in retirement and other business units because they synchronize so well with their payroll platform. 
That's right. And uh, their actual large money source is, is uh, just holding the float on the money, mm-hmm. uh, in a sense. So that was the main thing. That's another probably podcast episode altogether. Uh, but it's the same thing. Even Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway, their most successful sort of cash flow generating vehicle is uh, investing in insurance companies and then using the cash that they create off of that to go develop a great portfolio of other investors. Um, you, you know, so for me, approaching and trying to solve one small problem, um, because that's where your contribution can be made. If you can solve this one problem, maybe you allow other people to be able to get to the point where they can solve the problem they might have. So in my case, I view my company today is that um, I allow people to tap into some of these accounts and maybe I solve the problem that they can diversify into something different. Or for someone who's trying to raise those dollars, maybe I solve the problem that I help them tap into a capital source that they might not have otherwise previously been able to access in the form of someone's retirement dollars. So, you know, entrepreneurs solve problems and then those problems like basically, um, you know, become when you solve them, maybe it opens up the ability for someone else's solution to get to the next step and so forth. And it's sort of this ecosystem Hmm. uh, of things that happen because, you know, Google existing to allow information to sort of be found at the touch of a fingertip has probably fueled many, many other things. Like they, they have a successful maths product. There is no DoorDash, Uber, and probably 10,000 other apps if they didn't give away the greatest um, sort of mobile phone embedded uh, maps software. I or agree for- because when Apple tried launching that, I still won't use that to this day. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. Uh, and it's, it's essentially the backbone. There is no Uber and Lyft, for example, if the driver doesn't know where you are and you don't know where the, the car is, uh, for example. So they solved this problem and then it opened up you know, quite frankly, a whole new industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that industry, you know, probably then caused uh, automobile manufacturers to maybe rethink their strategy in terms of how they might be relevant 30, 40 years from now. And I like to think that in some small way, maybe this is my optimistic view on the world, that that forcing people to to innovate and improve um, is probably better for the end consumer. Mm. And we all live in this world. You know, it's a not exactly my take on climate change, but it's my take on sort of making life easier and better. And we live a great life here in the United States, uh, especially when you compare it to probably globally. Mm-hmm. Uh, the average person here lives much, much better than the average person somewhere else. And and I like to think that everyone's little contributions to um, maybe like the business world and what they do on a day-to-day basis has some sort of effect uh, downstream to other things like you know us having this conversation maybe it inspires someone uh, i want to catch a few episodes and probably get a little bit better about you know what my sort of routine would be from a fitness standpoint mm-hmm. you know if i were to sort of go video game style and look at where i have my strengths and weaknesses right now i'd probably say that that i've been neglecting sort of the the, the health and wellness part uh, at the expense of having a great routine on my entrepreneurial side but it won't work if i don't start to balance it out that's a very great point. Uh, I studied psychology when I did my marketing BS uh, after I you know, left engineering behind. And they talked a lot about the, depending on what school of thought you look at, we discussed it on the show many times. Uh, on average, you can pretty much break your life into six domains. You know, you have health and fitness, you have you know, education or, or brain work. You know, I always tell people keep working on that, on that big brain of yours. Uh, you have 
relationships, friendships, uh, social engagement, because human beings need to socially engage or go see live music like you're going to do today. You have your career or entrepreneurship or side hustles. We all have side hustles. I I sometimes have too many. Uh, So that's just four right there. Um, And then obviously love (laughs) and and marriage and and building a family. That's a whole other romantic side. Um, But they always said, listen, you know, create a zero access and every so often assess yourself and whether it's five or six, I said, just see how many fall above the line or below the line as far as current priorities. And they said, if you have more than two of them far below the zero access, that's a concern. You probably have stress. You probably have, you know, you're probably not balanced and it's not always easy to have all of them rocketing above the line. Like when you and I were back in school, Clearly, education in school was a high priority. So when you're yeah. launching a new company, you're probably all in on the business. <laughs> yeah. So, but back to our point here is that I, you know, your health and fitness fuels everything. It fuels, you know, the, it brings your stress levels down. It helps you have more energy day in and day out to invest into these business opportunities or invest into spending time and actually have enough energy to read uh, somebody's website like Rocket Dollar and learn about more better ways to invest and, and plan for retirement. All of these things do tie back to health and fitness. So I'm glad yeah. you at least are, are, are realizing that too. And I, a lot of our listeners, to our point and to your point just now, you mentioned if one person happens to walk away with a, another tip or another excuse to say, well, maybe I could take a closer look at that. Maybe I could do a little bit more in my retirement planning or my health and fitness, whatever. Sure. Um, yeah. We all, we always, that's the other thing I remind people, <laughs> you, you and I talked about earlier in the show, we all, there's no such thing as perfection. Let's make sure that's very clear. I can't stand the word yeah. anymore. We all mm-hmm. need to be constantly working and we all are. It's just been realizing that there's always going to be work to be done. So take a deep breath and relax. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I, a new tagline, I'll be intrigued to see your thoughts on it. Over the past year and a half, so the last, because of three years run this show, but the past year and a half, this line came up and I said, guys, ladies and gentlemen, we're just all at a different place on the timeline. Mm-hmm. That's it. So I might be here and I see you and I'm like, wow, I wish I knew all that, but it's okay. You you just happen to be further down that timeline when it comes to finance. So yeah. do I need to go down that timeline or should I shortcut, get enough to get by so I know what I'm talking about and then start partnering with people like you to get me down that timeline? So uh, I just interesting what your thoughts are on timelines. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, you know, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, um, you know, I have to think, think a lot. I mean, I used to do a lot more of the direct sort of financial planning and working with individuals. And now... I think to myself more of how can I make the product you know, usable for a broader base because I'm not there to sort of talk people through it. Um, so it's a different way of thinking, you know, running the business. Uh, and when you run the business to, to try to grow it the way that we're growing it, it's different than if I were just trying to work individually and solve people's problems. That's more of like maybe a services uh, component to it. But, you know, for me, I'm always trying to find out. It, it, the, the most interesting part of, I think, how I came to be and how I sort of even started this company, but the others was that um, I started basically doing financial advice. And I was trained in this one particular area, which was basically how to create a portfolio, how to, you know, invest your 401k dollars or IRA dollars. But 
what I really found out was that since I was in a, in a particular part of the business of talking and trying to convince business owners to work with me to be the advisor for that retirement plan, um, I found myself learning a lot about how those businesses and industries work. Hmm. I mean, you know, if you think about it, I had maybe a small dentist office. Well, how does a dentist office generate revenue to build a business and a practice of very versus a very small software company? or a law firm. Law firm has a different structure and everyone has an ownership stake. Um, and I remember thinking that it was kind of neat to get paid to go to work and then actually learn how these different businesses and industries made money, whether they were manufacturing and software. Um, and you know, in, in a way, that's kind of what fueled me. Mm. Um, and just that curiosity is what sort of drove my further interest because I thought that, hey, I'm very far ahead in this one particular part of the timeline, which is I know how to set up a 401k. Uh, for this business. This business has to worry about their business, but they need this particular tool as a recruiting and retention tool to keep growing their business, uh, which relied on having great teammates. And, um, you know, what, what I learned from them was how their business operated and worked. Uh, I wasn't deeply involved in it, but I knew enough uh, just to kind of catch up a little bit. And then they trusted me to sort of set up this one component that they needed. And that was probably just one component of what they needed to build the foundation for a great company of which maybe an investment-based benefit plan for recruiting and retention was just one of the 15 things. The other ones might have been uh, an open environment for upward mobility in terms of your career and knowledge and learning. You know, I didn't help set that up. Um, but those are things I learned, that, that it was important in certain types of businesses. It wasn't in others. And the way that some businesses might have done it was uh, providing equity to everyone that worked at the company. And, then, and yet others, it might have been that um, it was just a learning opportunity, like, you know, it was an apprentice program, because that's actually how a lot of the dentist offices, the early, early small customers I had um, were set up where it was a more recent graduate who was being groomed over a five to seven year period to take over the longstanding practice and client base of the dentists that had been in that area of town for 30 years yeah. and so forth. So it was like, it, it was sort of like a, a, an informalized apprenticeship relationship. And that was very different than a software company or a law firm or manufacturing business yeah well I, it was fascinating to learn that that's intriguing yeah it is intriguing I, it's it's funny because it's i think a lot of people hearing that do assume that a lot of these things are all structured similarly but no the whole point is that they are supposed to be different um yeah and that's why at a high level they are yeah but you know when you start to dig into the nuances you know that's when um you really start to synthesize i mean we had a we had a component earlier where uh, and maybe this is a good part at the end, but it's about knowledge and learning. And, you know, you'd, you'd said that your mentor said that the ability, you know, the real sort of um, measure of knowledge and being knowledgeable is the ability and the willingness to sort of pass that down. And I think if you dig deeper, that knowledge is also the ability to sort of synthesize uh, information and sort of indicate or determine and suss out the patterns that might exist behind Oh, like definitely. at a high level, all businesses work the same, right? They, they either create or provide a service or product. They sell it and hopefully the margin uh, that, they, that they get for providing that product is, is positive versus the price they might sell it for. But when you start to dig in, these businesses have very nuanced differences. And when you start to understand, that's how you become a better business person yourself or a better entrepreneur. And, uh, you know, it's starting to synthesize. And then once you get really, really good, then maybe you're in a position to start to pass that information uh, back out to other people. And they may go further than you. I mean, you know, one of the things I always see is that uh, 
right now we're in that sort of two, three week period where the Nobel prizes are being handed out. Yes. And when you read the, the articles about, you know, what, how they got to where they were, they usually always reference someone that got started mm-hmm. in that particular specialty. And um, it's almost always the case. And so in a way, whoever was the mentor for who is now the, the, the 97 year old Nobel prize winner today, um, you know, the person that sort of got them on that path is probably pretty proud that they not only went down a similar path, but they got much further down than I did. Yes. They did better. And that's actually, you know, that was the satisfaction. Yeah. I love where you went with this whole uh, angle because I, I've always said for a while too, like not everybody's meant to be a teacher, an educator, or a coach, or let's just define that better. They're just not at that place in the timeline. Right. And to, mm-hmm. to your point, to synthesize this information is that in order to become a great teacher and coach on that topic or that lesson or whatever it is, you have to have the ability to take the said knowledge and not just comprehend it, but then regurgitate it and synthesize it and find a way to turn it into a training program or whatever it may be. And, uh, and then, then you could pass it on, then it can become wisdom and be moved on. And then yeah. to your point, possibly trigger somebody to eventually become a Nobel prize winner. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you know, all of them always, you know, sort of indicate that there was someone that helped them down that path. Um, I mean, it's kind of, it's a very similar pattern and maybe it's, 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 you know, there's something to that where you don't get to that sort of world class level, mm-hmm. um, you know, without someone taking an interest in, in the early parts of your journey. Uh, that's, it's, it's probably impossible, yeah. you know, quite frankly. I mean, maybe that's, that's the responsibility that we all have to each other. Yeah. I mean, the whole line of, you know, lightning and, uh, it, <laughs> lightning could have struck and you just magically, you know, clicked and all of a sudden, boom, you're on that timeline, you're on that wavelength and you're cruising. But I agree with you. There's usually some, some powerful moment, some powerful person just happened to trip that trigger and they could have went left, but nope, they were meant to go right. And now they're at where they're at. So, yeah, so yeah. It, that's a. That's the way I look at it. And then for me, maybe I'm the one going down the path of, of showing people that, hey, there's an opportunity to um, invest in things that aren't normal. But if you feel like you're comfortable or you know about it or you care about it, uh, maybe you can combine that interest and passion and affinity with your dollars. And, and you know, that turns into a great return because it's something you're going to stick with. Yep, I agree. You know, nowadays, you- I mean... If you don't have a, if you don't have a passion for it, like, why am I putting my dollars into it? Um, I don't know that I agree. Like i want to feel good about where I'm going with my angles. Like, that's why I liked you on your, on your site earlier. And actually I'll share one more time here because we're at the end of the show. But, um, yeah. I like the fact that like you have in a couple of your categories listed on the site, you know, you have startups, right? I'm not huge in the real estate. My brother-in-law is, uh, but precious metals, one of my best buddies, that's all he invests is, is precious metals. Uh, cryptocurrency. I, I do play around in crypto. So but it's just, everybody's got different goals and different interests. Um, right. But a lot of people are like, what do you mean precious metals? And what do you mean crypto? You're crazy. But it's like, well, I'm not saying you have to do it. All I'm saying is that's what I'm choosing to play around with because I'm geeking out about it and I have a passion. So Right. Yeah. No. And, it, and you know, maybe you have some interest, a little bit of knowledge, and um, you can go into those. So uh, I just connect the dollars. And then my, my whole theory, my own personal tagline is that uh, if you have dollars to invest in an opportunity, um, you're typically going to make a better return if you didn't have to pay taxes on those investments. So that's the beauty of an IRA. So dollar for dollar, a, a tax advantage dollar is going to generate a higher return going into the same investment. Oh, I've, I'm, I'm backing you 100%. If, if people don't have at least an IRA in their life, and there, there's a takeaway, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> 
everybody should have at least an IRA. You, you can dump a, up to five grand a year in there. Just feel good that you have money doing something for you. So Yeah. And now there's websites and platforms that allow you even to make contributions through spare change yeah. into it. So they're, they're, the, the previous barrier of needing a lot of money to get started is gone. So that's yet another um, uh, aspirin pill that someone else in the financial technology world has sort of created to allow people to get started. Um, the one that I allow is for people to go into differentiated type of investments. And again, it's all part of the same ecosystem yeah. uh, for people to get started. So now people can get started, even if they only have a couple dollars to do so. And with me, they could go into maybe different and alternative type investments. And yet with someone else, they could probably do something different entirely. And we're all a part of that same financial technology ecosystem in the world that you're in. Uh, same thing, different ecosystem. People, yeah, it, different it's problems. it's super exciting. I mean, the, the the level of fintech nowadays just continuously impresses me. Uh, I, I'm actually like a geek. I geek out about it, but it's, I don't geek out about enough to do a professional like you. I just look for people like you, and I work with you. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, well, listen, I've had a I've had a great day today. Uh, I want to yeah. make sure you can get back and, and watch your guys uh, kick butt in some football. So, yeah. that being said, I asked my guest co-host to help close the show out. So you rocked the mic today. We clearly talked a lot about business, retirement, investment, you know, timelines, but you mentioned you just had a tagline just now when you, when you work with people, but is there, I asked my guest co-host, big picture outside of business and everything else. Is there an all encompassing message that you're kind of trying, you've realized as you're later in life now, you're like, you know what? This is kind of an all encompassing message. I like to get out there across my clients or across people as you on, because you have a podcast now. So, yeah. you know, I feel like we start thinking at a higher level, maybe a legacy message, anything like that, anything to pop it in your head that you want to leave behind for our audience. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, it's probably always be giving. So if I'm in a position, I'm not saying that I'm the one that has all the resources and by no means do I, do I, is that the case, but, um, I, I, I have a couple things. So it's just, you know, don't keep score and always be giving because you never know. It's always better to be a giver if you're in a position to do so. And you don't need to worry about people owing you. I think it's just sort of, uh, a human thing. So over the years, I've tried to help friends, you know, find new positions, uh, meet new people, you know, whatever it may be. And that's just sort of what I've always done. And that's important. And if you don't keep score, it's a lot easier. There's enough things that all of us have to keep track of. So. I, that I agree with. It's, I mean, heck, you got to go watch football. You'll be keeping score. So uh, I agree. Ladies right. and gentlemen, sometimes you just got to stop keeping score and just take action. I agree with that. Uh, people who listen to the show know I'm a huge uh, charity advocate. I do tons of volunteer work. I actually started my own foundation this year. So I have my own 501c3 now called Fuel Foundations. So mm -hmm. it's because hopefully I want to help other people or, or bring people together to do and give back. That's the point. It's like, yeah. Maybe yeah. not this year, maybe next year. So I love it. Well, hang Perfect. tight. I'm going to give you a proper goodbye Great. off the air. Chat. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we talked about it at the beginning of the show. We did some screen sharing during the show. That's Henry Yoshida. Check him out at rocketdollar.com, self-directed investing. He's on LinkedIn. He's on Facebook. We're going to have all of his profiles posted in the blog notes like we always do on livethefuel.com, so you're not going to miss out on anything. And again, rocketdollar.com, Henry Yoshida, shout out from Austin, Texas. Ladies and gentlemen, again, we're here to fuel your health, your business, and your lifestyle. You too can live the fuel. 
And we'll talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for subscribing to Live the Fuel. Stay connected on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Live the Fuel. And remember, you too can live the fuel. So please visit us at livethefuel.com. Thank you.